here we go. So about Malachi, we're going to do the introduction, and I think we're going to be able to get through the first uh, chapter uh, today, but we'll see. And I'll be reading from the NLT. So a little background on Malachi. Um, so number one, the man Malachi himself, there's very little background on him, uh, very little background on where he's from. Um, now his name, Malachi, means my messenger. Uh, that's what it means, my messenger. Now, there's some thought that Malachi is not the author of this book's name, um, that that it says Malachi, but his name is different, but he calls it Malachi because he he's speaking as God's messenger. And so the name Malachi means, means my messenger. And so it, it's thought that the person who wrote this name may not be Malachi. He just used the name Malachi because it means my messenger. But, you know, Malachi was a name used back then. I mean, pretty rare, but uh, it, it, it could be his name. The point is, is that there's no settled, there's no settled uh, conclusion on whether his name was Malachi or he used Malachi um, you know, as his name when he wrote this book, because it means my messenger. Like I am writing this as God's messenger. So he took his name out of it and 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 using Malachi. Um, written around 460 BC, um, 460 BC. So if you pay attention to the, the some of the books that we've done earlier, you see that now we're getting closer uh, to the birth of Christ here uh, with um, with the book of Malachi. Now here's what's interesting. So the context with this book is something that I think we can take a lot from when it comes to uh, the church and our present day stuff, right? So now this is generations. We're talking generations after the Jews had returned from exile in Babylon, okay? So this book is written generations, years and years and years after they are already back. Uh, They rebuilt the temple. They reinstated the priesthood. And so that's the context of the book. And it's really important to remember that he is not writing to people and he is not writing to to, to Israelites who are in bondage. He's not writing to anyone who's in captivity. He's not writing to anybody who uh, uh, is is under physical threat or anything like this. They are already back uh, uh, and they rebuilt the temple, reinstated the priesthood. This is not given during a time of physical threat but you have to understand it's not a physical threat that he's writing this. It's an inner threat. Okay. It's an inner thing that he's writing to, 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 to Israel about right here. Okay. So in other, in other books where we read about the destruction of Nineveh and, and, and the destruction of these nations that would abuse Judah and Israel, this is not about that. This is about this inner crisis that the people of God are having at this, at this period of time. So watch this, the people in here, and you'll see as we start reading, they became complacent. Okay. Watch this. They became complacent. They became corrupt and they became careless. All right. And we want to see all of these as we start to read the scripture. They became, watch this. They became complacent in their relationship with God. Watch this. That means to be satisfied with oneself or one's own achievement. I'm complete. I'm cool with where I am without any thought to try to progress or any thought to try to grow, any thought to try to to move forward, that I'm just cool exactly where I am. And the thing is, we understand that with our relationships with God, we should never, ever, ever just become complacent with where we are, satisfied with who I am. No, it is a constant pursuit of growth and a constant pursuit of growing in our faith and a constant pursuit of becoming what? A better person. And we are always uh, being changed from glory to glory, what? Into the image of God. Watch this. Y'all know this is one of Impact's foundation scriptures, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8, okay? You can go uh, uh, 2 Peter uh, 1, 5 through 8. Watch this. This is one This is one of our theme scriptures here. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. I'm going to be reading from uh, the NLT. It says, watch this. In, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Watch this. 
supplement your faith. And in some translations, it says add to your faith. Now watch this. Once we start believing, it doesn't just end there. He says, take that faith, right? He says, and add to your faith a, a generous provision of, watch this, moral excellence. And to moral excellence, add knowledge. And to knowledge with self-control. And to self-control, patience. And patience, endurance with patience. Uh, with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, watch this, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, why he says, so add to your faith, okay? So don't just stop there. Like as, as now that you believe, add to your faith these things. Now watch this. As he says, add to your faith these things, watch this. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. The, so the more you add these things, the more productive you will be in your knowledge, meaning that if we were not to add these things to our faith, that it is very possible to be saved and to be unproductive. It is possible to go to church every single Sunday or Saturday if you go on the Sabbath. It is possible to go to every single Bible study. It is possible to sing in the choir. It is possible to sing on the praise team. It is possible to preach and be unproductive if we don't add to our faith. This is why he's saying that. Watch this. Verse 10, he says, uh, 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 verse 9, he says, but those who fail to develop in this way, so those who fail to add to their faith, we're talking about the people of Israel, watch this, about how we should not become complacent. We know we should. And he says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Meaning, listen, the fact, the fact that I remember what I used to be, come on somebody, the fact that I remember what God has delivered me from, the fact that I know my own shortcomings, the fact that I know these things, I will continue to grow in my faith because I don't want to be short-sighted and I don't want to be blind and I don't want to forget what I used to be thanking God for what he is continuously making me into and conforming me into the image of Christ. And so we see that these people in Malachi, the, the, the Israel, became complacent. But we see we should never become complacent, right? Now watch this. They had become corrupt. They were talking about on the inside. The threat wasn't about the outside. The threat was on the inside. They had become corrupt on the inside, which means having or showing a willingness, watch this, to act dishonestly in return for personal gain or money, okay? So corru corruption means to have a, a willingness to act dishonestly in an, in, in an effort to have a personal gain or to gain some sort of money. And it's all about that inward corruption. And we see that all the time, whether it's in politics, whether it's in, I mean, it could be in, in, in church, in ministry. And we think, wow, how can somebody do it? Well, because on the inside, there is corruption and we'll do things and people will do things and say things, all that kind of stuff, just to kind of get a personal gain. And we have to fight. I don't know about anybody. Else. I'm not even talking about y'all. I just ain't got nothing to do with Nisi, ain't got nothing to do with Morel. I'm talking about me. I have to fight every day to try to remain pure inwardly, to try to make sure that I am cleansed inside. And there are days where it is a hard struggle, okay? For me, it's the days, there are days when I'm, where I'm on 10 and everything is working and I'm feeling good. And then there are days where the inner man is, show, is, is, is showing his ugliness and I have to fight day by day. And we have to fight against that kind. I see you, Crystal. So y'all write that down and y'all read that this week, okay? Psalm 5110. And we have to fight and we have to fight and we have to fight and do everything we can do to try to make sure that, that as we continue to grow, that that is not just something 
something that is seen on the outside. And that's not just something that people see when they see us, you know, whether we're outside feeding the homeless or whether you're inside at church or you're doing something that is not something that just people see on the outside, but it is something that is on the inside of you because you can, you can show the right thing on the outside, but if the inside is corrupt, it's you, you eventually it's going to come on the outside, right? Now watch this. We know this scripture. Let's go to Romans, Romans 12 and two. Again, we're doing our background to Malachi. Uh, 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 but we, but we, we're using all our other, you know, we're using our scriptures to cross-reference. We're talking about the fact that Israel had become complacent. We talked about how we should not become complacent. We talked about corruption and how we need to be clean on the inside. Let's go to Romans 12, verse 2. Watch this. Uh, we know that scripture. We do. Uh, uh, it says, do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed, what? By the renewing of what? Of your mind, that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that, that transformation, so that we can prove that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That transformation comes from the inside. And so sometimes we spend so much time trying to address outward things that we forget that it's not the outward things. I can stop doing an outward thing and still not be changed. Come on, y'all. I can listen. I can stop doing the thing. But what happens if the thing is still inside of me? OK, so I can stop doing the thing, but 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 still have the thing inside of me. What I want to do is pull the th- is, is pull the thing out of me and be transformed from the inside out so that when I stop doing the outward thing, it's because inside I have changed, not just because I stopped doing something on the outside. OK, now watch this. We're talking about we talk about what it means and stuff as church and all this other kind of stuff. Listen, go to James one, James one. 27. It's one of my favorite scriptures because it makes it all simple. Watch this. James 1, 27. This is, again, one of these impact uh, foundation scriptures. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. And that's one thing that we make sure we do. We care for those who are the most vulnerable in our community. And it says, and refusing to let the what? The world corrupt you. And so he says, what, what, what pure religion is before God, watch this, is, is to give to those who are in need when they need it, watch this, and to keep yourself from being corrupt from the world. And so we have to make sure that just like Israel found themselves in a place where they were complacent with their relationship with God, that we never get complacent with our relationship with God. We're always pursuing higher, uh, glory to glory, building upon our faith, adding to our faith, as I said in 2 Peter uh, 1, 5 through 8. And then we got to make sure that we that we fight against that corruption, that inward thing that will manifest itself outwardly. But we want to make sure we stay inwardly pure. This was the problem that Malachi was facing. Again, it's important to remember that when we looked at all these other Old Testament prophets, a lot of the issues, yes, there was stuff going on there, but they were talking about oppression and things on the outward oppression and outward forces and outward threats coming to um, uh, the children, children of Israel. Malachi is talking about inward stuff. Okay. Remember they had been back out of exile and they have been there for generations and they're operating and just kind of living in existence and existing, but they become complacent and they become corrupt. And man, I, I think sometimes if we were supposed if we were to turn the tables and put the mirror on the church, and I'm just talking about in, in general and us believers, especially those of us believers who live in wealthy countries where we have so many different distractions and so much temptation for corruption, man, we could almost say the same thing about us present day. Now watch this. We talked about they became complacent, they became corrupt, and then they became careless. So they became careless, and we want to read it in Malachi. They became careless with what they offered to God, okay? They became careless with what they offered to God. Now, now careless means not giving sufficient attention or thought to something, not concerned or worried about it, not giving sufficient 
thought to what they were offering to God. And again, we go back to Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so unlike, unlike them, we have to make sure that we are not careless about the way we present ourselves a living sacrifice to God. If we're supposed to present ourselves a living sacrifice to God, we are, it says holy and acceptable. You can't do that thoughtlessly. It takes thought, it takes care, it takes getting into the word, and we cannot thoughtlessly or carelessly bring our offering, bring ourselves, as Romans 12 says, uh, uh, to God. Uh, we can't be thoughtless um, about that. Uh, the complacency, the corruption, the carelessness, watch this, was not just with the people of Israel. We're going to read it in Malachi. Watch this, y'all. That it wasn't just with the people that the complacency, the corruption, and the carelessness were with the priests as well, with the people who were supposed to be offering the sacrifices to God, with the people who were supposed to be the spiritual leaders. Listen, that they were the ones almost leading the charge in corruption. They were the ones leading the charge in the carelessness. Don't forget, when we talk about being careless about the offerings that they were bringing, the people couldn't touch the offering. It was the priest who had to present it. And so they were becoming careless with stuff. And when people were, were bringing to the priest uh, uh, stuff that was careless, but the priest as well, and we want to see this. I, I read in this one... Um, this one commentary by a guy named Peter uh, Craigie, uh, uh, and, and, and here's what he said. He said, he said, he, talking about Malachi, he spoke of the faith to a people, watch this, for whom religion had become humdrum and those who were lackadaisical in their, observation, uh, in their observance of the ancient traditions. What he is saying is, is that he was trying to preach faith and he was trying to get people back to a relationship with God, uh, even though for them, all they were doing was going through the motions. It just became a thing to do. You know, we bring sacrifices, why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we go to the temple, why? Because that's what we're supposed to do. And sometimes we run into that same thing. I got to go to church this Sunday. Why? Well, because I'm supposed to do. Well, I'm going to sign up for this ministry for that minute, do all this other kind of stuff and build. Why? Well, what's well, what we supposed to do? This is what we always do. This is what we do when we do church. And so we run into this humdrum, this, 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 this routine, this I'll do this and then I'll do this. Well, why? Because, and it's, watch this, it's not the repetitive nature of what you do. Come on. It's not the, the repetitive nature of it doesn't make it humdrum. It's on the inside when there's no passion, when there's no fire, or when the motivation is not right, or when God is not the one who's being exalted, but we're trying to exalt ourselves. This is why, listen, th that's right, Crystal. It's about what's in your heart. Remember, we talked about this when we talked about being a giver and, and how we want to give to people. Is that is that about, you know, Paul was saying, you know, as each one has purposed in his own heart, give that. And so and so we're not talking about rules and, and how often you do it. We're just talking about what's on the inside and what's on the heart. And so they were just going through the motions. And that might be something that we have to step back when we finish this Bible study tonight, if we ever finish it. Is, 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 to, is to figure out what about me? What am I doing? Am I going through the motions? Am I wasting time doing whatever it is? I'm what am I waiting on? Uh, 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 do I know better? And if I know better, then I need to do better. Because watch this, the whole nation and the people, we're all, I see you see, yes, self-reflection. We're all doing that. And I don't want to be caught up in the group that just continues to be humdrum, the group that just continues to go through the motions and be the one in there, watch this, that's going along with the flow even though I know that this is not uh, what God has, and even though I know that it's wasting time, or I know it's going through the motions, or I know that it's not the thing to do. The calmness, watch this, and the lack of an outward threat caused them to be dulled in the spirit. 
that's what I see y'all. Why, 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 why are we doing this? You know, uh, why do I feel this way? Exactly. That self-reflection, the calmness on the outside is what is, is, is in the lack of outward threat caused them over time to become dull. Watch this, because it's amazing that they were at a time of peace. And sometimes the, the, the lack of drama, sometimes the, no threat on the outside can cause us to be complacent and cause us to be stagnant and stagnant in our relationship with God. Sometimes, listen, and this is for me too, sometimes I won't even pray, watch this, unless something bad is happening and I need it to stop or I'm anticipating something bad to happen. I see you, Crystal. And, and I'm anticipating something bad to happen and I don't want it to happen. So then what I'll do, I start to pray or I want God to do something. And that's when I start to pray. It's so funny. We aren't even thinking about going to God unless something is bad is, is coming up and we really, really don't want this to happen. And it is amazing that in times of peace and when everything was going good, that they, that, 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 that was the time that they decided to get complacent because we can relate to that, that when things are going great, sometimes we just decide to not even follow God and we wait until something goes bad. And then all of a sudden our prayer life, life is kicked into, uh, in, into gear. Uh, and, and that's amazing. So the dullness and the calmness of everything is, is, is really one of the reasons why Israel find themselves when we look at them in this book um, in, in a situation of calm. And we got to make sure we don't do that. We got to make look when things are good, when things are bad, when, when I'm up, when I'm down, we got to make sure that we stay before the father and we have this open communication with him and we don't get complacent and humdrum when it comes to that. Now, the purpose of the book of Malachi, we'll still get through the first chapter, even if I got to go a little long. Uh, the purpose of the book uh, uh, of the book of Malachi is to confront the people and the priests about their sin, uh, about their indifference regarding their relationship with the Lord and the way that they handle things. And so the whole purpose of the book was to confront the people and the priest about their sin and their indifference regarding, watch this, their relationship with the Lord. Uh, now, a few themes you got to understand. I'll just do two themes of the book and then we'll jump into chapter one. One theme and this is something I think that we can use in, in, in the in the church now is a return to fundamentals, a return to basics. It's kind of a theme here. Um, uh, it wasn't anything new that he was presenting to them or anything new that he was correcting about what was going on. This was all old stuff. And you'll see it in something that we that, that we talk about here. I mean, we can go back to Leviticus. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before this book was even written of things that God had said that they weren't doing and they became lackadaisical with. And so we can point back to some of the old stuff. And so it's a return back to what God had said and a return back to basics. And sometimes that sounds like what needs to happen today is a return back to basics and a return back to what God had said and a return back to living the way God had said. I mean, listen, we become really good at having meetings and really good at, at developing strategies. And if y'all read the book Radical, you know how I feel about it. Strategies and plots and planning and meetings to try to be, you know, we use the word relevant and try to skew younger and we want to do this and all this other kind of stuff. We're going to figure out how we're going to, we're going to, and it's like, wait a minute, how about back to bait? What if we just taught Jesus? What if we just prayed? What if, what if the church, what if the church prayed? What if the church just preached the, the word of God and grew in our faith? What if, what if, what if we went to people and just, and, and, and asked, do you know Jesus and preach the gospel to those who don't know? And so you can still see this return to fundamental and you're going to see it. I don't even want to get too far ahead of myself. You're going to see it as soon as I, I see you, Christine, you're going to see it as soon as we jump into the first a few verses 
uh, some of the fundamental things that he had to go. But what if we just did, you know, what if we just, Jesus, watch this, Jesus didn't seem to have a problem of drawing crowds and, 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 and getting, the, the first church didn't seem to have a problem with making, with converting people. And all they did was preach the gospel of Jesus and lived it, okay? There we go, there we go. And so, and so a, a return, uh, to fundamentals. That's one of the. That's one of the things. And the other thing is, we get to see that this is the last, the last book of the Old Testament, and it points forward uh, to the coming Messiah. Which, which, by the way, has me tempted that once we're done with this, is to is to take a pause on our Old Testament prophets and to and our next verse by verse being one of the Gospels. Um, I don't know yet, but we, we'll see. We'll see how it, how how it works out. Um, and so and so they had to return to some of the fundamentals. Now I'm reading from the NLT. Um, you know. Uh, 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 you know, you can read from whatever version you want, obviously, you know, and as you go back and as we do this, you know, don't let this be the one night. Like once we kind of go through the verse by verse, read through these again and see what God is saying. And then join us next week. And you know, if God has revealed, revealed some things to you and opened up your eyes to some things, share it. So I'm going to start Malachi verse one, uh, uh, chapter one, verse one. This is the message that the Lord gave to Israel through the prophet Malachi. Verse two, he says, I have always loved you, said the Lord, but you retort, really? How have you loved us? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor, Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau and devastated his hill country and turned Esau's inheritance to a desert for jackals. Esau's descendants in Edom, remember in one of the books we talked about Edom and we talked about how they treated uh, Israel. Remember we, we did that? I think it was Obadiah. Um, uh, and we talked about this. And so we're seeing, this is hundred years, hundred, hundreds of years later that this is being addressed. He says, Edom may uh, say we have shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins. But the Lord of heaven's armies, and by the way, Keep, keep track of how he refers to God as the Lord of heaven's armies um, um, throughout the book. But the Lord of heaven's armies replied, they may try to rebuild, but I will demolish them again. Their country will be known as the land of wickedness and their people will be called the people with whom the Lord is forever angry. We read a lot of this, come on y'all, in Obadiah. Verse five, when you see the destruction for yourselves, you will say truly the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond, watch this, truly the Lord's greatness reaches far beyond uh, Israel's borders. Let's take a break there after um, after uh, 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 verse five. Now watch this. They're returning to the fundamental here of the fact that God loves them, okay? Because they were questioning whether or not God loved them. They questioned, well, whether God loves them. And God's response was, of course I love you. Look at what I did for you in the past. Now they were either unaware or ungrateful for what God had done for them in the past, but they lost sight of how much God loved them. And the way that God showed them how much he loved them was to point to what he did for them and their ancestors before. Let us not, so for us, we have to make sure that we do not fall. I see you, Christine. We do not fall in that same trap of questioning God, questioning God's love for us. Whether if you don't feel it at a, at a moment of time, just understand you just don't feel it. If you it, you know uh, uh, don't do what you see here, where we question this, and even if we question it, the great thing about God is the fact that He will remind you that He loves you by pointing back to things that He's done for you. And I don't think that there's one person on this call who can't look back at something in their life and say, "I have." I have the proof that I need that shows that God loves me because of what he did for me here or what he did for me then or, or, or some situation he worked out for you or something that he pulled you out of. And so there's not one thing that we can't point to. And so before we're done off this call, maybe when we're done with this call, you may need to take inventory of that. And you may need to write that down, that when I am in question about whether God loves me or not, that I know for myself that I am loved by God because of this, because he did this. 
because he delivered me from this, because he pulled me out of this, because he has placed me here. And so I can, I can see how God loves me through what he has done. I see you, Nisi, that I can, I, because sometimes we go through things, we're like, well, where are you, God? And we, and, and we do fall like, like into the situation where they are, and we question this whole thing about whether he loves us or not. But he will point back to things, and sometimes we have to have that list so we can remind ourselves from time to time. So before I even start uttering the, the, the question out of my mouth, I will open up my book or my journal or whatever I have it written in, and I will read all the reasons why I know that God loves me. But this is a fundamental that he had to go back and teach them again because they had lost track at the fact that God loved them. And so he went back to what he had to do. Now, here we go. Verse six, we're going to read six through 14. I think I'm going to read through the whole thing and then break in, but I, you know, I know how, how it gets. Here we go. Uh, verse, uh, verse six, the Lord of heaven's army say to the priest, a son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where are the, where is the honor and respect that I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name, but you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. He is saying, listen, but look, but look, I can, I will also point to what's going on now. This is the thing about, listen, when you, when, when you're in the word and you're in prayer and you're in relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit look, will, and the word of God will too, will locate you right where you are. It will find you. It is a GPS for your soul. It, it, it will locate exactly where you are and, and, and what needs to change and what needs to be developed and, and, and what's on the inside. It says the word of God is quicker than any two-edged sword. Look, it will pierce between bone and marrow. It will get right down and it will locate you and find exactly where you are and tell you exactly where you are. And this is what we're finding here. Oh, well, how have you found contempt? Because you are offering defiled sacrifices at my altar. Then you ask, well, how have we defiled the sacrifices? Watch this. So now, 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 now he's saying, well, now you're trying to play games and now you're trying to get tricked. Well, how we, how have we been, how have we, you know, been content, shown content for your name? Well, you offered defiled sacrifices. Well, how, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You know what you're doing is what he's trying to tell him. He's like, you defiled them by uh, saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? Isn't it? So now, now we've got to go through the list. Isn't it funny how sometimes we talk about this with Jonah, if we, listen, if we just come clean with God or just come clean with ourselves and we don't have to play these games, well, how am I doing? Well, is this, well, I don't, like, no, yes, it is. Now he's got to go through this whole thing about, well, you're, you're, you have you have contempt for my altar. They should stop right there and say, you know what? You're right. We do. We say, no, well, how have we had contempt for your name? Well, because you're bringing bad sacrifices to the altar. Well, how are we defiled? Like, you know how you're doing it. So he's going to, you got, you're bringing the blind animals and sacrifices. That's wrong to, uh, he says, and then uh, he says, and it's wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased. Try giving gifts like that to your governor. Watch this. Forget me. What if you try to give gifts like that to, 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 to the physical people in charge? He says, and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. There he goes again. Go ahead. Bet, watch this. Watch this, y'all. Go ahead uh, and, and beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? And so it's like, go, yeah, go ahead and beg for mercy, beg for that. But why should he, when you're bringing this stuff and you know that it's wrong, y'all, we don't bring animals anymore. But when we talk about um, uh, our bodies as living sacrifice, we, again, we can't be careless and thoughtless of how we present ourselves and the gifts that God has given us and the time that he's given us, the talent he's given us, the resources he's given us. We cannot be lackadaisical 
days, Oko, and we cannot be thoughtless and careless about how we present this stuff back to God and how we are uh, allowing him to use those things through us to help other people. We have to make sure that whatever it is, that we are giving it our best, that everything we do, we do it what as unto the Lord, like the Bible says. And so we have to make sure that we are not bringing, watch this, crippled and bringing diseased offerings to God. We don't, listen, that's right. Don't want, or wouldn't use uh, to be unfortunate. That's right. That's right. And so we do those things, right? And so we want to make sure that what we bring isn't the blind lamb, that it isn't the diseased animal, that it, that it is the best that we have. Watch this to offer uh, to God. Now this is going to, and, and, and I'm talking about individually, but we're also talking about uniformly as a church. Watch this. Please don't let, please don't let God say this about impact in verse 10. Watch this. He says, how I wish one of you would shut the temple door so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. Come on, somebody. He says, I wish that y'all would just shut up this close up shop, shut it up, close it up, close down the doors. We're not doing this no more so that you would stop bringing these worthless sacrifices. And I, I hope to goodness that as he looks across the scope of the earth, that impact is not a church where he says, I wish that y'all would just close up shop instead of having these silly meetings about things that don't matter. Instead of focusing on things that I don't listen, how many, listen, how many times do we have these meetings or these focusing and we're focusing on things that God doesn't even care about that the church's focus will be on things that ain't even got nothing to do with this. And so we're developing strategies and stuff and this and that and this and that. And it couldn't be any further from God's heart. We talked about what pure religion that God, what's God sees as pure religion earlier in James chapter one, where he says religion, pure and undefiled is to help the widows and orphans in their time of need and to keep yourself unstained from the world. And, and, and we want to add to our faith. And so we see these things that are important to the heart of God, but yet he's like, when we open up the doors of the temple, we're talking about and doing and, 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 and investing money and things in the stuff that God does not care about that he doesn't care about at all. And watch this. And, this, and, and sometimes the same way we try to, uh, like we saw with, well, how have I shown contempt for your name by offering bad sacrifices? Well, what's wrong with the sacrifices? Well, the, the lambs were blind, the animals were diseased. Is that we say, well, we're doing this because if people see this and they like this and then they're this, then they'll want to come to God and they're going to and, and so we do all this roundabout talk as opposed to just focusing in on the things that God wants to focus upon. And I, I'm telling you that I do not want impact to fall under this verse 10 where it says, is how I wish one of you would shut the temple doors. Just this is God saying, shut the temple down. Gosh, I don't, I don't want him saying that about, about impact. I don't want him saying about anybody's church, about any church, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't want like just shut the whole thing that I'd rather you not do anything than to come in here with that worthless stuff. Okay, here we go. I got to get off that. Um, uh, he says, I am not pleased. I am not, I see here's not in here. Like, yes, please get off of it. I am not pleased with you, uh, says the Lord of heaven's army. And I will not accept your offering. Watch this to, to come into the place and, 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 and to, to come into the place and, and offer these sacrifices. And then to have the Lord says, not only shut the temple down, I will not, I'm not pleased with what you're doing and I will not accept your sacrifices. I will not accept your offering, but my, watch this. I will not even accept it. Okay. You can bring it not going to accept it. And so this is when you understand now we're into the motion of it. Is God, because it's so funny how so many times we talk about things and we, we have all, you know, like I said, our meetings, stuff like that. And we want to talk about what is pleasing to God when God is clear about what's pleasing to him. And so why, you know, man, well, God is pleased with this and God wants that. Well, God, God tells us what's pleasing to him. We can't even, listen, we can't even offer up we can't even offer up praise and worship to God that's acceptable to God unless God gives us the praise and worship to give back to him. Come on, y'all, because we don't know how to do it. And so 
And so God, watch this, God will give us the words to say. God will give us the praise and the affection. And, and we don't even know how to praise God and how to worship God in a way that's acceptable. And he will show us a way to do it and what he accepts. Well, I can't tell God, here's what I'm doing. You better accept it. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit works uh, through and will lead us in ways, even in ways of worship, to where what we do is acceptable to God and we follow those patterns. Now watch this. Uh, verse 11. Here's where we got to be careful. Oh, you know, actually, uh, before I go there, let's, uh, let's, go, let's go to Leviticus 22. Because again, we're talking about these foundations, about things, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, about these foundational things that he's going back to. He's not doing anything new. That's like, we got to get back to basics. Like a basic thing is, okay, understand that God loves you. And he showed them how. A basic thing for them was offer sacrifices that are right. Like offer the best of the animal. Like that's a basic thing. Leviticus 22, watch this. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, this is when God is establishing all this. Watch this. Tell Aaron and his sons, these were the priests, to be, watch this, very careful with the sacred gifts that the Israelites set apart for me. So they do not bring shame on my holy name. I am the Lord. Give them the following instructions. And you can go through the instructions if you want on your own time. That's Leviticus 22. Um, but, but yeah, and so, and so here's, here's, here's God telling Moses to tell Aaron, who were the priests. And so we see here how he was not just only upset with the people who were bringing it, but the priest as well. The priest, watch this, the priest could have demanded more from the people. The priest could have said, this is wrong, y'all, but the priest didn't, okay? The priest didn't do that. And, and, and so what happens sometimes when the leaders are the ones that are, are, are staying the folks wrong? Here we go. So, so he says, tell Aaron and his sons to be careful, right, with the sacred gifts that the Israelites set up part for me. Why be careful? Because you come in here with that foolishness, you're going to bring shame on my holy name. That's what he says. You're going to bring shame on my name. Now watch this as we jump uh, back to uh, Malachi, because this is how it all ties together. Malachi, we're at verse 11 in, in chapter one. He, watches, he says, so we understand them bringing those kind of gifts, bring shame to, shame to God's name. We saw that in Leviticus. Now watch this. He says, but my name is honored by people of what? Of other nations from morning Till night, meaning, listen, God, listen, as long as there are creatures on this earth, God's name will be honored. God will have respect. God's name will be praised. The question is, are we going to be a part of the group that's praising his name and offering good sacrifices, great sacrifices, our best? Or are we going to be part of the group that's trying to get away, giving God? I see you see, I want to be in that number. That's old school church. This is. I want to, I just want to be, I just want to be in the number. I want to make sure that I'm offering those right sacrifices. He says, because there are people, people uh, 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 of other nations uh, from morning till night. Now, you have to understand how God saying that to Israel is really a wake-up call to them. Because remember, they were the set-apart nation, God's special people, that, 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 that they were above everybody else, and they were the children of Israel and this and that. He says, oh, you can disrespect me all you want to, but there are other people, people of other nations. But wait a minute, I thought we were your special people. There are people of other nations who are bringing me, who, who are honoring my name morning until night. And so when we get into, and this is some of this present day stuff where we get into this ethnicity thing with, you know, who are real Jews and Hebrews and black Hebrews. Jesus literally, God literally says here, there are people of other nations. So don't, so all the, all the identity stuff, you know, we see it throughout the Bible where again, things that people are concerned about that God just is not concerned about. He says, you Israel have disrespected me by, the, by your sacrifices. However, there are people from other nations who are not included in, 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 in your you know, uh, 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 nation who are giving me honor and glory from day and night. Watch this. And, and the word, uh, 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 let me pick up. He says, uh, uh, from morning until night. He says, all around the world, they offer sweet incense 
and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, said the Lord of heaven's armies. Do not get caught up in thinking that you are the only thing on this earth. He said, I have other nations. I have other people who are doing the right thing, who are offering up sweet incense, who are offering up pure offerings, who are bringing honor to my name. Y'all the ones who are doing it wrong. You're the ones left out. I've got places. Watch this. It ain't like I need you. I've got it. You know what I'm saying? But he's sending this correction, right? And it's so funny because one of the things that we talk about, I think we talked about this a little bit um, before uh, an impact. One of the crazy things about the whole Western uh, way of, of, of like church and Christianity and stuff like that is that we've convinced ourselves that we are like the center of God's universe, that everything, oh, it's all about us because he loves us so much and he does love us unconditionally. But you know who the center of God's universe is? God is the center of God's universe. If God was to put anybody else in the center of his universe, then they would be the God. God doesn't worship anybody. We worship him. And so we have to understand that don't get caught up as, you know, God, listen, it is not his will that any should perish and that God has a specific work for everybody on this call, but never get it twisted. Like God's will and God's purpose for humanity and all mankind will not get done because you got an attitude about something or because you want to offer up messed up, uh, offer, uh, offer up messed up offering. That is not the case. Okay. And so we got to understand that the, that the one Supreme being, despite the fact he loves us so much. And I think because sometimes we have what love is twisted, we think, well, because he loves us so much unconditional, then he must have us wait. Like, no, 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 no. He's, he's still all the way up here. He's still, he's still top being and he loves us unconditionally. Right. And so, and so, and so, uh, uh, he's 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 the top being. He is the he is the, the uh, he's the center of his universe because to put anyone else there would make them God and, and not God God. Okay, here we go. Watch this, verse twelve. But you dishonor my name with your actions. Okay, by bringing contemptible food, you are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. Watch this, thirteen. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands and says the uh, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. He says, think of it. Animals uh, that are stolen uh, and crippled and sick are being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? It is amazing how he is going on and on and on about these offerings. It is, you know, it is interesting. Well, but because you got to remember the point of offerings is because they did that because of their sin. And so God is like, you can't be coming up here with these crazy offerings because how am I supposed to forgive you for your sins when you're not following the pattern? Okay. And so he is going on and on and on about this. He says, cursed is the cheat. And it's funny how he he talked about crippled, uh, sick animals, but then he also says animals that are stolen, that that you're, you're stealing stuff from other people and you're bringing it here. Like, I'm, I mean, come on, somebody! And so the the, uh, the dishonesty and the and the and the we see the moral and the inner corruption that these people are going through right now with this uh, to make up for my own sin. Watch this: how how disconnected must I be from how holy God is and how sinful I am if I will steal, you know, Tanya's sacrifice or Tanya's animal and give it to God? No, my sin is so bad and God is so holy. I need to take my best. And I need to give it to him for me. I don't need to steal from nobody else. I don't need to take parents. No, 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 no. My, so I must feel like I'm, I must feel like I'm above something, or I must feel like I'm too good, or I must feel, you know what I mean? And to 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 um to not uh, uh bring that, but I'm gonna steal this because I'm just trying to get by. It's that mentality of trying to get by, of trying to cheat someone, of trying to steal, or anything like that, right? And so he says, forget that. Forget that. And so you think of all these things we try to do. Watch this of how we say, okay, we're gonna manipulate worship or manipulate, 
you know, this or that this way because we want to get people to like it. And when people do this, it's like, God's like, get out of here with that. I thought I was supposed to be the focus of what you guys do, not people. And so the more we focus on him, it's going to draw people to, 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 to him. And so, and so we got to get out of that, bring, bringing all this brokenness and all this craziness um, uh, before the Lord, when we, even when we gather corporately. Amen. So watch this, verse 14. Cursed uh, is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, said the Lord of heaven's army, and my name is feared among the nations. That all these other nations, come on, are offering up. And you, Israel, watch this, my chosen people, you're the ones who are doing it wrong. And all these other nations are honoring me and bringing these sacrifices day and night. But the chosen ones are the ones who are acting crazy. And if that ain't a message for the church today, I'm telling you, listen, get we, we got to make sure we get it together and keep it together, okay? We got to make sure we get it together and keep it together. It is, it is, we do not want God to look upon this church and its impact and say, I'd rather you shut the doors than to bring this foolishness or say, you're bringing all this stuff to me. I mean, imagine spending year and year, years and years, time and time, uh, uh, meeting after meeting, and you think you're trying to do the right thing. And God has imagined doing that. And God hasn't accepted one offering you have bought to him in years because you're not following his program. You're following the program of what these consultants say and what this church consultants say and what this person say you're supposed to do. Anyway, um, uh, so that's that's the that's just the first chapter of Malachi, y'all. That's just the first one. We're going to try to uh, next week get through uh, chapter two. Um, uh, I think we, yeah, I think we can do, I, I think we can do three and four. We'll see, um, but we'll take our time through it. Uh, you know, um, because again, as we read verse by verse, we want to make sure we understand the context, but we also want to make sure we understand what it means for us um, uh, today. So let's pray. And then, and then if anybody has any questions or comments, you know, just unmute and, and, and we'll be good to go.